I'm Dan. And I'm Alex. And welcome back to On Air. God. <laughs> <laughs> we really are in our Christmas vibes. Welcome to a festive end of year episode. Christmas is almost upon us. A very Merry Christmas to you, Dan, and to the listeners in advance. Thank you. Merry Christmas, everyone. Christmas is all around me. Come on. It, it's funny, isn't it? Because snow. it's really unlike any other time of year in terms of how there is this like mutual agreement with much of the world that, okay, it's time to unwind. Hopefully it's time to find some time to be able to rest, maybe to gather with family and so on and so on. And I always think that if you are in a position to be able to take some time off or to be able to chill with family or to be able to watch Christmas films and so on, throw yourself into it because let's be realistic. We're not doing that the rest of the year. So this is the time for that. Yeah. Most of my flight attendant friends all have flights either on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. It's just some coincidence that all of them happen to. And I'm like, no. And then their significant others are just going to be alone somewhere. And I'm like, ah. Oh. This is that's the tough thing about aviation that there's no regard to dates. Yeah. And and again, that's because aviation, like the whole of the hospitality industry, I guess, is not always the industry that they're able to just simply say, well, it's a day off for everyone. So it's also a day off for us. You know, these are industries that just keep going. You know, Dan, that my twin sister worked in hospitality for several years. And that meant that she never had Christmas Day at home. It was always just a given. Of course, she was going to be to be working. And oh. she just kind of got used to that. But we would have to kind of manage with Christmas Eve and Boxing Day, maybe, or, or she'd have New Year and so on. And there are so many millions of people in that same position to keep everything going for us, you know, not just in hospitality and aviation, but with emergency services, with those who work for the, in the public sector, in, in essential services and so on. So it's also an important time to remember that not everyone is able to just kick back. And so we're super, thank super thankful to those that are continuing to do that thing to ensure that the world keeps moving around Absolutely. even on December 25th. It still blows my mind how like SAS, Lufthansa, many airlines in yeah. Europe just shut down their operations or reduce them by 80% on Christmas Day. I am checking like some routes. It's very interesting. Like for example, here, there's a flight from Copenhagen to Frankfurt where they won't operate mm. that specific frequency between the 24th and the 26th. So it is nice that I guess it just reflects the state of demand more than anything that it's yeah. fine to have one or two daily flights instead of three, four, five in some markets on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, just because no one or very few people are looking to fly. There's always those people who are like, oh my God, it's so cheap to fly on Christmas Eve. So let's go, which right. I have done in the past. I was about to ask you, have you ever flown on Christmas Day itself? Yes. When I was a, because in Sweden, we always celebrate on the 24th. That's the big Christmas celebration. And the 25th right. is actually, you don't really do anything. You might meet up with family, but the real thing is on the 24th. So when I was a kid, I, if I wanted to go to New York over the holidays, I would always fly like 6 a.m. on the 25th and the flights would be empty. It was amazing, mm -hmm. usually on Lufthansa over over there. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, just now we, we have both now in the last 72 hours flown home in inverted commas for Christmas and you were flying. Well, actually, who were you flying? I'm not sure. Uh, I flew your favorite airline, Turk. Uh, what am I saying? I flew your favorite airline, Air France. <laughs> I'm flying Turkish Airlines to leave Sweden, not. <laughs> so uh... Somebody has Turkish Airlines on the mind. And also, I'm not sure why you would link that to me. I mean, I've only ever had pleasant experiences with Turkish. So, yeah, so you course. flew Air France back from the Maldives to Gothenburg via Paris, I'm assuming. Uh, actually, I caught a good premium economy fare since I'm still in my month of reviewing premium economy. So it was from Abu Dhabi, well, Maldives to the UAE, UAE uh, Abu Dhabi to Paris, Paris to Gothenburg. And uh, it was quite the experience. I have to say Air France premium economy is great. They've really improved their seats, everything over the past few years. But landing in Europe, it's so weird when I, I haven't been in a cold climate for months besides half a day in Oslo. Actually, for a year since last winter. Isn't it weird when I, I think it's similar for you, although you were in London a few weeks ago, where you land and you're like, everyone 
everyone dresses so differently in the winter like bye bye colors it's all like gray and black everyone looks so disheveled and everyone's in this sort of winter mode where everyone's just everyone just needs to get where they want to go and there's no niceties or you know there is a lot of eye contact avoidance at this time of year when you're in big public places like airports and on aircraft i I agree but then also i think that you see a lot of people that you know are flying for the same reason you are flying and you know people are going to reconnect with loved ones and so on and there's something nice about that there's something nice about seeing a for example a fast track queue to a ba flight uh, which is what I, i i was on full of people elderly young you know those that were quite obviously traveling to reconnect with loved ones rather than just like the same you know 50 to 60 men in the same gray suits and the same gray jackets you know on their road warrior trips and so on there's something a little bit nice yeah i flew from so i finished didn't i in toulouse at the japan airlines a350 delivery i'll tell you a little bit more about it after but the flight back was british airways to london heathrow and it was really nice and i say that because club europe which is their little business class cabin which uh, i upgraded to just purely to get the luggage allowance because i had a lot to bring to london was very very quiet the flight itself was relatively busy but but club was was basically empty me and uh, another lady and the crew were in really nice spirits and they had kind of christmas decoration things on and they were making announcements about you know wishing those that were flying to london a magical christmas and those that are connecting on to to elsewhere to have safe onward travels in december at this time of year and you know f- hope they feel festive and so on and so on there was just the crew were in great spirits christmas wise and it was just really nice and it really did feel like that cliche flying home for christmas yeah. flight even though it was just like a one hour 10 minute hop you know from toulouse so it was really good it was a nice overall positive experience with ba and we were delayed by like 15 minutes or so and when we arrived we arrived onto terminal 5c no the satellite terminal on an inter-european really far. flight on an inter-european flight and the pilot the, the captain could not have been more apologetic it was actually the most british thing it was so funny he did about a 10 minute pa just a uh, pa just apologizing for the fact we were parking at t5c <laughs> he said i know it's not ideal especially at this time of year you know it's very very far away from the main immigration and most of you i can see on our manifesto ending their journeys here in london and well, sincerely a british always had no other choice i was thinking okay relax don't worry most of these passengers will not notice they will just continue to follow signs to arrivals and that's it you know flying so. ba and being at heathrow they, they should just be grateful they're on t- relatively on time that's <laughs> we we that's were relatively on time and burn. it was fine and ba were ba were great you know so mm. it was a good a nice nice little flight home for christmas what about you oh uh, yeah i my flight was great it was so interesting because as you said i think business travel is really winding down starting this week so business class was like pretty much empty premium economy and economy were sold out so what ended up happening was a few days before Eti- or <laughs> why am i not able to say the right airline not etihad air france we're sending somebody out somebody has already somebody has already tuned out of the aviation world he's been watching home alone all day <laughs> drinking mulled wine <laughs> yes i that's what i'm doing after our recording but anyway <laughs> so they sent out upgrade offers from premium economy to business for $330 for a seven hour flight, which is crazy wow. cheap. So what ended up happening was that the sold out premium economy completely emptied out business ended up being fully sold. And then premium economy was, was there were a few upgraders from economy to premium and it ended up being about half full. So that worked out great for us. We get to Paris on time, thankfully. When you fly to lovely Gothenburg, you have to leave from the way remote terminal in Paris. Uh, I don't think you've been there. I don't think anyone has been there. It's called Terminal 2G, which is where little hop flies from. You know, hop, right? The Alléop, we call it. Alléop. Like that shop in France. <laughs> no, like there's a shop in France, I think, called Alléop. Mm. Which yeah. is like let's let's hop, and so every time I see that little hop thing running around the airport in my head, I always say "Ali up." Yeah, <laughs> that little hop thing. Well, that little hop thing is what flies to 
Gothenburg. Thank you. So it's like a it's a 20 minute bus ride or 15 minute bus ride from the main terminal to get out there. And my thing is just that I don't really understand when I land in Europe is how is it that 50% of electronic walkways escalators are always turned off. And then there's never a sign that's like, sorry for the inconvenience or explaining what's going on. It's just like in every other part of the world, we're so sorry, please take this alternative route there. It's like, no, every single escalator is turned off. And then like, it was just, so we had a one hour, 15 minute connection, which in Paris is basically impossible, especially transiting to this terminal. So then everything just kept going wrong. These escalators were broken. We get in a security line. We get to the very front and then that line closes and they say, go to the other one and get back at the start of the line. And there was only one no. other line open. We're like, are you kidding? And then oh. all the E-gates are closed. So we have to do manual immigration into the EU and only two mm. desks out of like 20 were manned. So it was just like all these things. I'm just like, okay, this is one of the busiest seasons besides summer for travel. What's going on, guys? But we made it. We made our flight. It's so funny that you mentioned that thing about escalators, because I swear to God, when I was traveling, once I'd reached Toulouse and left the Middle East and then so, you know, entered Europe and then was then leaving to go from Toulouse to London, I noticed that in Toulouse Airport, all of the escalators were on because I noticed earlier in the winter, so like February this year, they were all off. And when I had seen the CEO of Toulouse Airport in May this year, and he said, how do you find our expansion area and our improvements? And I said, well, great, but I felt sorry for the 80-year-old couple that I watched walk for miles to the uh, to the gates that are really far in the non-Schengen area because you have all of the escalators switched off. And he said, yeah, you know, because of the war in Ukraine. And I think he just means the electricity bill is high, just like it is high for everyone almost globally these days, uh, not least because, not least in Europe because of what has been going on geopolitically over the last few years. But the pleasant thing is that I noticed they were all switched on. Then when I got to London, of course, we were parked at T5C. I do not wait for that train with 10 million others because you know what I'm like with crowded spaces. I do not Mm -hmm. like them at all and I avoid them any chance that I can. So I did the underground walkway, you know, that secret underground tunnel that connects all of the all of the satellite terminals terminal 5 with terminal 5b and terminal 5c and so of course i was very far at t5c but i went straight down to the walkway and i much prefer it because there's loads of fresh air down there as well i mean i'm not sure exactly how fresh it is given that i'm surrounded by aircraft fumes but it's fresher than the terminal air which was a bit warm and dry and i walked the whole thing now i do play this game okay i knew i was first off of the aircraft and also I could recognize maybe some of the passengers that were seated around me, at least in the first rows of economy. So when I had exited the aircraft, many were, you know, walking that brisk, fast walk behind. But as you know, I am the fastest walker that I know. So (laughs) I was quite confident that I will reach immigration before them, even though they were taking, you know, a train that would quickly link them from T5B, sorry, T5C to T5B and then to T5. And I would have two terminals to walk. Terminal 5B to normal Terminal 5, I can definitely beat them. But could I do it over two terminals? So I was walking really quickly, really quickly. Not And also because I wanted to get out of there. Like I wanted to get out and get home. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, really fast walking. But it would depend if all the escalators were on. And to my delight at Britain's hub airport, London Heathrow, all of the escalators <laughs> between one of 5C and B and the main terminal 5 were all switched on. These flat travelator things were all on. So I was flying through. <laughs> and then I reached terminal 5, that final escalator that will bring me up to immigration. And I look behind me and the train arrives and the first passengers that oh. I recognise as being on my flight start coming out. And I'm like, ah, yes, I did it. I beat them. So then, of course, I have to speed up a bit again because they're about to close the gap. So, yeah, you so, just did a little wave as you yes, ran up the escalator. I, I turned around, you know, gave them a little wink. Merry Christmas. And then straight <laughs> into uh, into the e-passport gates, which had no queue, thankfully, straight through. 
And then, of course, I thought, great, maybe none of that was worth it. I've now I've now reached the baggage carousel in record time. I have swiftly moved and maneuvered from T5C to B to A. And now my bag's probably going to take an hour. Well, all credit to British Airways. Three and a half minutes later, all three of the bags, along with the rest of the flight, come straight out. I get the bags straight out onto the Heathrow Express into uh, central London. And I was home in record time. BA and Heathrow worked very, very well in that example. Good, good. I'm glad. You know, when I landed in Gothenburg yesterday, I haven't been here for almost four months. I realized that my ritual when I land here is always to get a freshly baked cinnamon bun. Sweden has the most amazing cinnamon buns at the airport. And guess what? The chain that, like the store that used to be all over the airport that sold them, has now been fully replaced by British colonial W.H. Smith has taken over (laughs) every location and no longer has cinnamon buns. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I was like, this is not supposed to be happening in 2023. Is W.H. Smith the last shreds of evidence of the British Empire globally? (laughs) I think it could be. (laughs) (laughs) That might be right. Well, look, we spoke last week about Japan Airlines A350 and we did a bit of a deeper dive into it. But I'll give you my quick verdict roundup since being on the cabin. I spent a lot of time on board. I spent a lot of time with the interior designers in Japan Airlines who are explaining their decisions behind everything. In a nutshell, it is a very creative, beautiful cabin it's a cabin that felt i felt dan i felt like i was on an a380 basically because Mm. there are just so many cabins it makes it so long haul maybe we're so used to cabins that are business class economy business class economy business class couple of rows of premium economy because there is this dedicated first class cabin and then a small galley and then dedicated two cabins of business class and then a galley and then premium economy and then a division and then economy It just, I felt like I was on a huge aircraft rather than an A350-1000, which of course I fly on all the time. That was my first takeaway. And I think you're going to like it. My second takeaway is the colors are not for everyone. That's for sure, right? The colors are not for everyone. This is not, there wasn't a feeling of luxury in the color palette, but they wanted, the interior designers tell me, simplicity. They wanted something that had fusions and examples of Japanese culture. And they explained to me what these were and how they linked up with their choices in cabin design. There are some things that are questionable and don't look so nice. For example, the interior of the door. So the inside of the door in business class, the inside side, so the suite side. I mean, I thought it wasn't finished. What what did it look like? Well, you could see the you could see the mechanisms that open and operate the door. Oh. And I, I was I wondered why it was exposed, but that's that's the decision that they went for. It wasn't sleek, right? In premium economy, it's very cozy. Now, cozy could also translate into cramped because they've gone for that fixed shell seating. I mean, when you fly premium, do you like the fixed shell hardback framed seating? So in in none of the products I've flown now, I have had that type of configuration, so I can't really say because I've only flown it in short-haul business class products that have it, and then it's a very short flight. But I will say, I said this before, that to me, the worst thing about premium economy is that when someone reclines, you're basically stuck in the row behind them because the recline is so extreme that there's just no getting out. In that situation, the shell is much appreciated, and I have to say that The thing I liked most about Air France Premium Economy when comparing, so first of all, comparing it to Emirates on the A380, it's a massive 56 seat cabin. So for me, one of the best things about premium cabins is that you don't get the the stress and the constant movement and people getting up and down and getting their bags that you feel in economy when it's so busy, which yeah. you did get on Emirates because there were so many seats on Lufthansa they don't have any cabin dividers between premium economy and economy. It's just the whole same thing. So you still get the same kind of stress. Air France, 24 seats in a small little cabin, three rows, divider in front, divider behind, curtain. It feels so exclusive and relaxing when you have a tiny little blocked off cabin like that, which for me is really what the goal is when you're paying extra for premium. That's really nice. It makes such a difference, doesn't it, when I really like a flight where everybody sits still 
I think yes. it really matters. Because as you say, when you're on a single aisle aircraft, just like, let's say, an EasyJet A320, okay, the constant up and downs and up and downs and up and downs, they just, just in the corner of my eye, it disrupts the energy of the yeah. of the of the atmosphere and everything you know without sounding too spiritual it just <laughs> it just disrupts the peace and i love it if i'm like right it's an hour and a half you don't need to go to the bathroom okay <laughs> it's fine i've decided right but go before go after not during during you should stay seated keep your seatbelt loosely fastened and we're all going to have a more enjoyable pleasant flight actually yesterday that reminds me because about 40 minutes before landing the captain turned on the seatbelt sign and, you know, we're very used to flying, especially Middle Eastern Airlines, but also East Asian Airlines tend to do this where 45 minutes before landing, it's like, okay, let's prepare the cabin for arrival. Yeah. We're going to, you know, no more toilets, all that kind of stuff. So here I was like, oh my God, okay, I need to hurry to the bathroom. And the flight attendants were like, they were, they went on the PA, ladies and gentlemen, please sit down. We're th going through an area of turbulence. I went, we're not going through an area of turbulence. This is just... You know, we're landing. They're preparing for approach. So I still go to the toilet. One flight attendant comes up and tells me off. She's so but She's like, I announced it and you're not listening to me. I'm like, but I need to go to the toilet before landing. So I go back to my seat. Five minutes later, they turn the seatbelt sign off and it remains off for 15 minutes until like 20 minutes before landing. So my brain is so wired on like, this is my last chance for the next hour to go uh... to the bathroom. When I forget that actually in Europe and the US, the seatbelt sign is turned off very last minute. So yeah. the excuse was that it was turbulence and it wasn't just me. <laughs> I had that on a BA flight and the pilot explained it really well. We were about 45 from Heathrow and he said, I'm switching on the seatbelt sign now because we're about to pass through an area of turbulence. In 15 minutes, I'll turn that seatbelt sign off. We'll be clear of it. That will be your chance to then prepare for arrival and then the seatbelt sign will go back on which is the on for landing so he explained that's it really great. well so maybe that's why you kind of caught you off guard as you said you had that in the it's very funny because i had a very very similar thought on this flight back home now which was only a very quick thought the captain came on with the pa and said uh, thank you for flying with us thank you for choosing hope you have a wonderful christmas blah 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 blah, blah. and in my head as you say because we're used to the golf carriers i'm thinking we're 45 minutes it was like and cabin crew, that's 10 minutes till landing. I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> 10 minutes? This is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I, I really love that. I love that you can be, you know, you see each individual house because you're so low and the seatbelt yeah. still isn't on. It's just like, yeah, you know, we're maximizing the amount of comfort and movement we can get yeah. to move around. And it was very smooth. When it's smooth skies, like on this flight, it was very smooth. So the descent wasn't too obvious. Not like when sometimes you, you start your descent and then, of course, you're passing through different altitudes. It starts moving around a bit, bouncing about. It was uh, super smooth and nice. So, yeah. yeah. But anyway, look how we've just gone off onto another tangent. <laughs> Back to premium economy on Japan Airlines. Yes, the fixed shell seating, it makes that small cabin a little bit cramped. However, they did explain to me that they were definitely keen on that rather than um, not having the fixed back seating because the Japanese typically, he explained to me at the airline, are awkward about reclining Makes because sense. it's rude and they just feel awkward about it. So they didn't want to put their premium passengers in that scenario. Economy class, very fine, very familiar kind of copy paste A350 economy class to others with some small innovations like a nice big 4K screen. A very, very mm. uh, large size screen for, for an economy class seat compared with the seat itself. And then there are some small adaptations to the galley. And also this aircraft is the first aircraft of all A350s to have an upgraded new standard whereby the cross section of the cabin. So the actual size of the cabin itself has increased by a couple of inches. This is something that Airbus engineers are able to work on doing by modifying different areas and monuments of the cabin. And also structurally, they've changed the design of the front galley and the rear galley to increase the galley size a little bit. And they were able to do it at the front by pushing the wall, the cockpit wall, closer towards the cockpit. So I think that the flight deck has become slightly smaller on the A350-1000 now as a new standard. And that means that there is a bigger forward galley in the rear, the rear galley, there are enough for at least, I think, six more trolleys. The galley is quite an improvement huh. in terms of the size. This, of course, comes with direct feedback 
from airlines that have been struggling with the galley space on the A350. There are many airlines that have got in touch with me over the last couple of years to tell me that their crew struggle with delivering, for example, a premium service or a busy economy service because that galley at the front of the A350 is tight yeah. and at the rear it's also a little bit tight and crew would always say to me oh we prefer the triple seven because there's just so much more space and the 350 apparently crew can get a little bit tetchy because it's so small and so you're kind of brushing against someone else and it's like don't touch me kind of look and then it all starts <laughs> to get a little a little bit tense so this is airbus kind of responding to that i re- i just have to say i remember when ba introduced the a350 1000 i i flew it from i think london to toronto and the meal service took like three and a half hours. And then I asked the crew why. They said, yeah, because the galleys were still getting used to it. That's the same as it's like when you're flying the A321neo across the Atlantic, you get a very slow meal service because it's a tiny, tiny galley to serve sometimes yeah. 20 plus business class meals out of. But on a wide body, it really sucks when you have an equally proportionally tiny galley to try to work from and it just ends up being worse for everyone besides the airline's bottom yeah. line. And British Airways were actually specifically told not to have the galley that they had chosen for the 351000 which was basically the smallest variant. They were encouraged at the time to increase that size, that option, and they, they didn't do it. The CEO mm-hmm. at the time pushed against that decision and now they're trying to figure out how to modify their own 350s because the crew struggle to deliver the service in such small working areas. So mm. that's Airbus trying to make these small adjustments in direct response to what they're hearing from customer airlines worldwide. Yeah. The The other areas of Japan A350 that were cool, there's a lot of different little quirks, headphone-free seating. I don't know if you saw that that video where you can uh, you can listen with the speakers that are built into the headphones. Uh, yeah, area, that's the great. Area. I can't wait to try that. Yeah, so I, I tried it and you can't really hear the other person's both at full max volume. Now, of course, we were not airborne. We were on yeah. the ground, so we didn't have the natural sounds of, of flying in the engine. So I think that you wouldn't be able to hear it. So that was cool. And then there are other little quirks. It's not the most luxurious cabin because Japan Airlines A350 was never going to be too focused on luxury. They they A lot of the decisions they kept justifying as, well, this is like this because our passengers are business travelers. And this is like this because our passengers are business travelers. And they were very much how their passengers don't have time. Their passengers aren't flying for leisure. Their passengers are not wearing comfortable clothing. They're in suits and so on and so on. Now, I don't know how true that is in the modern world now or if the fact that the traditional business traveler road warrior is the JAL passenger on their 350 routes, which will begin in late January, connecting Tokyo Haneda with New York's JFK. You know, the the wider E350 cabin we should mention is a bit of a double-edged sword. And this makes sense to me because Japan Airlines always has lower density. So when I saw they did 333, I was like, oh, so they're doing the normal config. But actually, most airlines will choose to install 343 now on this A350. So Japan Airlines still went with a much more spacious configuration than what Airbus is offering. I asked the head of Japan Airlines customer experience and design if it was ever an option that they would be making the economy class 343 on an A350, given that with modifications in the cabin, it is absolutely possible. He said to me, never. (laughs) I said, never even a consideration. Absolutely not. He said, not even a consideration. I said, it never made a briefing document. He said, (laughs) never. We will not. Be going down that route i said i respect you sir so it was oh, uh, the, it was a a nice win for economy class there definitely if if i can talk about something slightly unrelated but you made me think of it when you said the door was unfinished then i yeah. i remembered why is it that so many airport ceilings have that design i thought about it yesterday because i flew out of the new abu dhabi airport which i'll talk about after but Why is it that many airport ceilings in Europe, in the Middle East, anywhere, in older airports especially, it's just like, it's open. So you see all the wires, you see the the air conditioning things. It's like a very typical airport design. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's kind of the exposed, they think it's so high that perhaps it doesn't need to be covered. I mean, I can't think of many European examples, apart from Frankfurt, Frankfurt, Gothenburg. uh, (laughs) 
Gothenburg. I think well, Stockholm. Gothenburg, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. Stockholm, I can't remember. I mean, I remember being a bit like, ew, at LAX in the beginning in the check-in area. Yeah. There was this like padded insulation exposed <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> ew. <laughs> yeah. So the, the reason I was so like really noticing that yesterday was because I got to fly from Abu Dhabi's new airport. My goodness. It is, I have to say, I think it's the best airport in the Middle East probably one of the best in the world. It is so beautiful. And although wow. it's massive, it's it still feels small in a good way where you walk straight from the curb to check-in. Check-in leads you to a central efficient security area. And what was so amazing when I arrived there at 7 a.m. was that, I don't know if this is intentional, but it's built so that at least in the winter, the sun rises literally right through the airport and it's glass windows so as you enter the sun is in front of you as you're standing to check in the sun is shining through and they have these art things where the sun reflects and then you're walking through security and immigration and the sun is just beaming it was so beautiful and the ceiling is incredible it's these high sort of wavy beige structures there's bye-bye bus gates i think this is officially but maybe besides muscat the only airport in the Middle East where there's pretty much no bus gates anymore. I have to say kudos. I It's sad they waited so long to open it because I was like, oh yeah, now we have a, a beautiful airport for people to transit in. Um, yeah. Very nice. So fun. I was waiting. I was eagerly, eagerly waiting for your feedback on, on the new Abu Dhabi town. Yeah. So I'm also a sucker for beige and the, the, those like sand colored interiors and that's exactly what they sand. have so yeah. it just feels really bright and fresh uh, and the layout is great because you're dropped off in the middle so there's all these legs where you can go out it's not like istanbul where you walk for 20 minutes but yeah it's you know it's not just one long path like doha for example where because of how they're expanding you start at one in the bottom and then you have to walk all the way up because uh, yeah, some of yeah. us don't have Almaha services included with our elite status. That's correct. Some of you don't. <laughs> and we shall move on. We shall move on. Okay. I want to play this game with you, but we need to keep the pace up. Now, of course, I haven't pre-briefed you on this, so you have no idea what I'm about to say. But there are two things I want to do, given that we're in a bit of a special festive episode and it's Christmas and so on. So the first thing is something that I had seen uh, they had do and they did in another podcast, but it was based on the subject of that podcast. I want to see how fast we can quickly between us go through A to Z of airlines. Oh my God. Okay. That's going to be difficult on some letters. <laughs> right. So no cheating, no looking okay. up anything. Okay. Yeah. And we'll just have, if we really can't think of it, we'll have to declare pass and then we'll, we'll figure out what we got in the end. So how okay. do we, do we take turns? Yes. So I'll say one, you say one, I'll say one. We'll go like that. Okay? okay. So you can, you, you begin and I've got the timer here. Okay. So now I want the airlines to be, now should they be active or do we include the ones that we lost somewhere <laughs> along the way? Let's see how difficult it is. Active is better, okay. I would say. Active is preferable. Yeah. All right. And guys, okay. I genuinely so, have not heard about this until now. So my mind is just racing, trying to think, okay, ABCD, what, what are different airlines? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. Right. So you begin by saying the letter and then the airline. Okay. All right. right. I'm pressing the timer. Three, two, one, go. Okay. A, A, and A. British Airways. Cathay Pacific. Delta. LL. Finnair. Good. I was like, you have to say Finnair. A, B, C, D, E, F. Uh, Gulf Air. The silence. Goodness. <laughs> Goodness. Uh, oh. What is H? Oh, I know one. Can I say it? <laughs> uh, give me five more. Hawaiian Airlines. Oh, good. Okay. Iceland Air. Japan Airlines. <laughs> I love how long it took for that. I, I, I'm the type of person I have to say the alphabet. I mean, I have A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, uh, H, I, G, K. K. Uh, K. What is K? Korean Air. <laughs> I mean, you could have said KLM. Yeah, <laughs> oh, true. Right 
Latam. A Mongolian. Come on. Nepal Airlines. Okay, you could have also said Norwegian, but um Okay, yes, yeah, true. <laughs> what is oh um Why am I blanking on oh Come on, it's so obvious. Oh Stop uh oh Oh, oh Zempic. No wait, wait. No. Oman Air <laughs> Oman Air <laughs> Yeah Alhamdulillah <laughs> P Philippine Airlines Qantas. <laughs> oh, Qatar. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll allow <laughs> Rwanda. Uh, SAS. <laughs> Thai Airways. Uh, you. Uzbekistan Airways. Uzbekistan Uzbek instead of United. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 United is the obvious one, but okay. Vietnam Airlines. Uh, Win, Wintro, Windrose. That's a Ukrainian. Yes, yes, yes. Windrose. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll allow it. Uh, X uh, Zyman Airlines. Oh, nice. Why? Uh, tell me, there's an. Is there an airline that starts with Y? It, there must be. Yankee Airways. Oh, I've thought of one. I've thought of one. I've really? One. Uh, yeah. Two, actually. Are there any countries to start with Y? Now I'm blanking on that. Yes, yes, yes. Where did Chandler move to? <laughs> oh, Yemen. But Yemenia. 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 Well done. Yes. <laughs> and, and Zed. Oh. That's hard. I can only think of Zoom, that airline that went bust years ago. For Zed, I have one, but there's a little bit of context, and I'm gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna declare it, and then we can check if it's still a thing. But I used to fly whenever I used to leave the Gulf, specifically during the blockade, where the routings were very much along the Iran-Iraq border. I used to fly over these amazing mountains, this mountain range called the Zagros Mountains between Iran and Iraq, and they literally look like zebra-printed mountains. Mm incredible so so breathtakingly beautiful and i used to i couldn't wait to fly over it in in the daylight put the window shades up and look and i remember when googling the zagros mountains that there was an airline zagros air but also there was zagros airlines and one belonged to iraq and the other one belonged to iran so i'm sure <laughs> one of those two is a valid option so now for the first time i'm going to reach to my phone and now Google Zagros Air. Zagros Air is... Oh my god, there's one. There's a current one, speaking of Japan Airlines, that we didn't think of. Zip Air. Zip? That's an obvious... That could have been an oh, option. That wasn't so yeah. obvious since they're not huge, but that yeah. was fun. I hope you guys played along in your minds. If we didn't think of any airlines that, that you would have thought of, let us know. I'm I'm excited now. Do we have more games? I, I, right, I have a little end of year quiz for you. So okay. this is something that I, I want the listeners and you to uh, to undertake and we'll have the listeners also play along with us with their questions and then hopefully, Dan, you'll reveal the correct answer. If not, then I'll tell you what the answer is. So let's begin our end of year quiz. It's 12 questions and it's some things that were pretty current uh, and related to this year. Some things are a little bit more general. So let's go straight in with question number one. Dan, what airline has the loyalty program known as Club Premier? The, this is an, a current loyalty program. <laughs> yes, we are not talking about defunct airlines. We are talking oh. about what airline has the loyalty program known as Club Premier. Now, there will be... There will be listeners shouting at the podcast right now because they will be members and they will know yeah, this. I'm going to guess, because I have no idea, yeah. but I'm going to guess Aeromexico. Okay. Correct. Woo! Well okay, wow. I'm impressed by myself because I've never, I know nothing about their program. So. And there's me thinking you were platinum or platinum. <laughs> With Aeromexico. With Aeromexico. Aeromexico. Yeah. So question two. Now this, you'd really have to have been paying attention specifically over the last couple of days. 
What airline this week disclosed a firm order for four A330 Neojets that was originally an order signed in June? So in June, it was announced as an undisclosed customer. In other words, they did not reveal who the order was for. But what airline this week disclosed that they are indeed the airline that has placed an order for four more brand new A330 Neo jets? The only thing I can think of is we're staying in Latin America and it's Azul. It is Azul. Oh well done. Okay. Good job. <laughs> Good job. Okay. This one is a little bit more general. The A220 family is produced under the management of the Airbus Canada Limited Partnership which is a partnership between two stakeholders. So on one side, the A220 family is 75% Airbus produced. Who has the 25% stake? And it's not, is it Bombardier or it's someone else? It's not. No, I'll give you a clue. It says it's a, it's a government. And it's not the Canadian government? <laughs> not the Canadian federal government, no federal the the government of of uh yes yes quebec yes well done whoa okay well <laughs> that good. i had no idea about so very good okay question four what major airline shocked everyone by announcing they'll be withdrawing and closing down operations at one of its capital city hubs over the next two years what? What major airline shocked everyone by announcing they will be withdrawing and closing down operations at one of its capital city hubs over the coming years? That's, I feel so stupid because there's not even many airlines you will that kick have yourself. multiple. You, you, exactly. I mean, like that. don't focus too much on the whole, we have two hubs, but focus on the fact that they have a strong presence at both and they are headquartered in the city, but they're operating from both airports. I'll give you another clue. It's a European airline. Uh, so don't the tell me shouting, it's I can hear them. Do not tell me it's SAS. It's Air France. They're leaving huh? Orly. Oh, yes. Okay, but it's... Uh, well, now I feel stupid because it's the same city. Okay. That was yes, a trick I question. said one of its capital city <laughs> hubs. I knew you were focusing too much on like like a dual hub operation, but one of its capital city hubs. Okay, question five. I would like three. I would like you to name three airline CEOs that stepped down this year. Are you kidding? Three that stepped down. Let's um, go. <laughs> well, let me try to think of one that stepped down. Oh, well, Akbar Abakar, of course. I'm really not going to guess it. How about you? you I'll give you a clue. I'll give you a clue. Alan Joyce. Alan Joyce. There we go. There we go. That's two. So you can do it. You can do it. I know. I just don't have faith. Let's stick to the Middle East region. Third. The Middle East. Quite a player. There are no... couldn't remember them in the list. Oman Air? Yes, Abdulaziz Raisi. He okay. also stepped down this year. So those are those are the three. I mean, there were more that stepped down this year, but three. Yeah. I will allow Abdulaziz Raisi, His Excellency Akbar Bakar, and Alan Joyce, the now former CEO of Qantas. Question six: Which European airline CEO announced that he will be stepping down in the spring of 2024? Okay, th these are the types of questions I am not good at keeping track of. So. I can't you can think say, of, you can pass it if you want. I can't think of anything I've read. So how about... Okay. Yeah, I pass. Toppy Mana, CEO of oh, yeah. Finaire. No. Yes. Okay, let's hope Finaire okay. remains... Question amazing. seven. Which football team did Riyadh Air become the shirt sponsor for this year? Okay, now you're now, pushing it. First, you not follow CEOs who quit. And, and then second, <laughs> you think now I football. follow which... I don't follow football to begin <laughs> which with. Which football so. team... Did Riyadh Air become the shirt sponsor for this year? Um, the correct answer is Atletico Madrid. There we go. Okay, I would have had no idea. <laughs> Remember what Tony Douglas said. The brand is Riyadh. The brand is Riyadh. 
the yeah, brand is Riyadh. If you had Merry asked Christmas. me, if you had just asked what is the brand, I would have known what to the say brand? the brand is Riyadh without any context. Question, <laughs> question 7A then. What is the brand of Riyadh? Uh... <laughs> Riyadh, Riyadh, Riyadh. Nailed it. Perfect. Question, seven, uh, question 8. Doha has quickly become a one world hub. Could you be so kind as to please name me the One World Airlines now operating to Doha? This is a better question for me. Okay. American, British Airways, Finnair, yep. Yep. Iberia yep. since a, yep. like a week back. Japan Airlines yep. launching next year. Yeah. Oman Air is joining One World next year. They also fly there. We have Royal Jordanian. Yeah. Do we have any others? Yes, we do. Sri Lankan. Are there more? Royal Air Maroc. Oh, yeah, that's right. My friend even flew that. That's the last one, right? Did you say Royal Jordanian? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Did you say Finnair? Yes, of course. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Were you then you're good. Yeah. So, uh, I was, but you said it so far. So we have BA, American, Finnair, Malaysia, Sri Lankan. Oh, I didn't Jordanian. say Malaysia. Oh, okay, there we go. So I think there was one you missed. Okay, so BA, American, Finnair, Malaysia, Sri Lankan, Royal Jordanian, Royal Air Maroc, Iberia, and very soon Japan Airlines and eventually Oman Air. Question nine. Which airline CEO said that this year they've, quote, made more money than they know what to do with? Is that O'Leary? No. Yes, well okay. done. I just remember, because now they're the biggest airline in the world by market cap yeah Th that's well crazy very good very good question 10 home home stretch now All which right. asian airline reopened its central business district city check-in desks this year following a three-year shutdown i which asian airline reopened its asian. central business district city check-in desks this year following a three-year shutdown is it I'm going to guess it's either Singapore Airlines or a Japanese airline. It's not. No, neither of those. Okay. Yeah. I, this Think is about something I which write. cities have kind of the central business district. I mean, basically every city, but yeah. <laughs> central business district check-in areas also well, were closed for three years, which suggests that they had COVID. So maybe it's some of the harshest China restrictions in the world. Or Taiwan. Not... not <laughs> mainland china not taiwan hong kong but cathay hong pacific, kong, okay. cathay pacific. we got there in the end that's surprising because of all cities hong kong airport is actually quite close and convenient to get to yeah. from the city center like if yeah. it it w would be another thing if it was like city check-in for narita or yeah. city check-in for some airport that's very remote so that's interesting question 11 which female ceo became ayata's chair of the board the first woman CEO to do so. How do I not know this? This this was something that was this year. This was earlier in the year. How? One airline CEO became the first woman chair of the board at IATA in history. Is that because she is? Is that because she replaced Alan Joyce from Quantit? Or no? I think it was up. It was it was up anyway, but. She's one of the few airlines CEOs. So she's not the new Qantas CEO. She's not the new Qantas CEO, no. Oh, la la. Um, she has been the CEO of this airline for quite a while. The airline is what? one of the fastest growing on the continent that it is from. Indigo? Ethiopia? Wait. Does Ethiopian have a female CEO? Now I'm just guessing no. airlines. I don't even know who their I know. CEOs are. I know. I know. <laughs> Okay, fastest growing on their respective continent. Mm. Alex, I, I this is terrible. I know like 50% It's okay. Of the this answers. was it. Look, look, this uh, the, the, this is a difficult question, okay? The correct answer is who? Yvonne Makolo. Yvonne Makolo, who of course is the CEO of Rwanda. Okay, fastest growing airlines is a bit of a stretch. It might be Fastest growing, relatively speaking, but yes, it's not like yes, Whoa, it doesn't they mean that they just ordered a hundred A three twenty Neo. No, no, but relatively speaking, they are one of the fastest growing airlines on the continent of Africa. That is the truth. Yeah, but not yeah. They pale in comparison to Ethiopian, for example. 
You compared them to Ethiopia, not me, buddy. <laughs> Moving on. Question 12. What, which Middle Eastern airline and which European airline were both slapped with advertising bans for, quote, making exaggerated claims about efforts to achieve sustainable aviation that were deemed as misleading for the consumers and led them to be sanctioned. So hopefully this is something that all on-air listeners should know because I think we've mentioned both. And my guess is Etihad and Lufthansa. Correct. Good Woo! job. That okay, that's the quiz. The end of our very festive, very end of year roundup quiz. You did you did quite well, to be honest. You did well. They were they were yeah, very those specific. Were not easy questions, yeah. all of them. Really if good. I would have I asked you that... list all the destinations United flies to from Denver, <laughs> you <laughs> would have been sitting here for a while. Uh, answer number one. I'm like Denver. <laughs> Sorry. Because they, they come back, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope that the listeners were also taking part in that. And if you were, feel free to DM us your score or how you performed, because it was a pretty specific quiz that I was typing up prior to us coming on air. So you guys, we are going to have a bit of a holiday break for the coming two weeks. Of course, we're going to miss the podcast. This is something we look forward to every week, but we will be back with new episodes and new CEO interviews starting January 10th. So we cannot wait to see you then. We hope you have an amazing holiday week. Happy New Year, everything. Thank you for joining us this year. It has been such a pleasure and yeah, just a highlight of every week for us. Genuinely, we have looked forward to gathering. We love the fact that we st we have started to build a community of the on-air listeners. We love the fact that this podcast has a great reach. We are the number one aviation podcast in so many markets worldwide, and we are in the charts in so many other categories also. And for that, we're eternally grateful. We hope you have, as Dan said, an amazing, safe, healthy festive period and best wishes for 2024 and all being well we will be back in the new year to pick up where we left off so for the last time in 2023 i am alex and i'm dan and thank you very much for listening to on air we will see you soon bye see you later <laughs> <laughs>